0: Welcome to the Bethesda Church podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at bethesdachurch.tv/give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Thank you so much for your giving this morning. Uh, excited about what God is doing here at Bethesda Church and really excited uh, to introduce our speaker today. Obviously, no stranger at all to Bethesda Church. Uh, but I want you to stand to your feet and would you give my wife, Pastor Karen Dingus, a big Bethesda welcome as she comes to share God's word with you? Love you. Love you. Love you. Thank you. Good morning. Now, let's give an even bigger praise. Y'all got one for Jesus? Awesome. You guys can be seated as I awkwardly fiddle with this little thing here. You see, this is why technology is amazing when it does what it's supposed to, but I don't think Chad uses it this way. Maybe it doesn't do it. Maybe that's why he doesn't use it. Let's just lay it down. How about we lay it down? Y'all think it's okay if we lay it down? So if I come over here and look at it, it's not big, or if it is big, or if it makes a big shadow, you all just be happy. Everybody going to be happy this morning? All right, you're being a little quiet. I need you to have a little bit more energy than that, okay? All right, I don't do this all the time. I don't need you to be, like, amazing, like running the walls or anything like that, but I do need you to, like, have a little bit, or I'll preach for, like, three hours because, you know talking when I'm anxious is, is is what I do. I like filling the, the space, so I'll fill in a lot of space if you, uh, if you don't help me out. I'm excited to share with you guys a message this morning. Um, I actually spoke on this topic down in Melbourne, uh, Florida, back in January at one of the ladies' nights that I was asked to speak at, and um, I do think it's a very relevant message. I thought maybe at some point God would have me speak it here, but I didn't know for sure, and so this week it kind of came available that this was when I was going to speak on it, and so I believe that it's a relevant message for this time, for this season, and we're going to talk about um, a subject, and I'm sure the title screen's up there. It's all noise. It's all noise. You're like, what does that even mean, PK? What does that mean? And I want us to talk a little bit about managing expectations versus reality. And as I began to prepare this message, like I said back in January when God was laying it on my heart, I started to think about where I feel like a lot of us were at that time of the year. What do we do at the beginning of the year? We we set goals. We have uh, New Year's resolutions. We have um, things that we want to kind of leave behind from last year, and we have some things that we are you know we suddenly believe we're going to take 50 pounds off of our body. You know, anybody have big, big goals? Anybody going to be a millionaire this year? And on January 1st, you decided this is the year you're going to turn those finances around and you're going to, you know, have three beach houses in Cabo or something. I don't know. I don't know what your, what your big uh, win for the year was going to be. Uh, maybe it was finally time to organize the closets or lose the 15 pounds or 50 or 150. And you know, there's, there's all kinds of goals. Um, move up the ladder at work. Uh, be more present at home, complete this semester of classes and like finally be done with that degree, Um, move on from all the baggage from last year, get out of debt, finally meet your soulmate, finally get rid of the last soulmate. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Maybe it's four or five of those things all at once because some of y'all are overachievers. Anybody an overachiever in the house? Anybody going to be a millionaire and run a marathon this year? Both of them were on your list. Come on, Iron Man. Nobody's waving at me. No one wants to do that this year. Um, but maybe you had some of those goals, and here we sit on April the 2nd, and some of our New Year's resolutions are kind of like, you know, we, we have a little less, like, umph behind it. And then some of you, you're like, man, I've done it. I have ate the lettuce I have scrimped and ate Raymond noodles and I've saved and my finances look better. I've paid off debt. I'm not sure exactly where you land, but we often start the year with all kinds of expectations. And then as the year plays out, we have to kind of deal with the reality of where we're actually living, what the reality of that looks like. Um, With every dream, every goal, every plan, every prayer, there's always a voice that comes alongside to try to just, you know, Suck the joy. Have you all ever experienced that? Or am I the only one that has any sort of like um, retaliation when I decide to take a little territory in my life back from the devil? Anybody else have any retaliation? Okay, come on. I told you. you got to like move with me. you got to be there. Possibly you ha- can keep it managed to like, you know, a whisper. You know, like you know that it's there, but you're ignoring it and you're just kind of keeping it. Uh, but sometimes that nagging voice of the enemy, the, the, the one who hates our souls, the ones who wants to steal and kill and destroy in our lives, sometimes it will even wake us up shouting at us at night. Anybody ever been woken up in the middle of the night by the devil, by just like the fear of what if I can't turn this business around? What if I can't make payroll? What if... She really leaves me. What if I never see my kids again? What if we file bankruptcy? Whatever it might be, but you wake up out of that stillness and you're just like you're scared to death, cold sweat. You can't sleep. You know that's how loud sometimes that that voice can get in our lives. The reality of of the of the battle that's going on about our expectations and the reality that's going on. Um, either way. Whether it's a a still little voice, you know, kind of whispering, nagging in our ear, not the still small voice of the Lord, but a a nagging voice or that one that's just shouting, you're a failure, you're never going to do this, you'll never accomplish this, you're a loser. Look at your daddy, look at your mommy, look where you came from. Who do you think you are? Remember what happened last time? Sometimes it's that loud. Sometimes it's in our ear while we're trying to accomplish whatever goal we have set. Either way, it's typically present when we begin to push towards the things that will better us, Things that will push us towards to make us more like Christ. He never really fights you when you decide you're going to sit down with a half gallon of ice cream at 11 o'clock at night and watch some garbage on TV, does he? Anybody feel like the you know the, the devil come up to you and be like, "Ooh, this is a bad idea. This is a bad idea. You shouldn't do this. Don't put apple pie with that ice cream. Don't you do it? Don't you do it?" No, no, he never does that. He never does that. Uh, it's always when we're trying to better ourselves, it's when we're trying to be more like Christ, when we're trying to put a little distance between us and sin. None of us have the devil roll up with us to the bar and be like, don't go in there. Those people are all heathens. They're going to bring you down. You remember last time you hung out here, you ended up dancing up on that bar. You regretted it for three months. You hung your head in shame. Nope, the devil doesn't do that. He lets you act a fool, and then he'll make you feel guilty about it later. But he's never the one saying, don't do that, don't do that, when it comes to sin. He's just not. He comes to steal. He comes to kill. He comes to destroy. It's not a joke. It's not just some fairy tale. It's not Cinderella, you know, and, and, the, and the pumpkins and the, and the glass slipper kind of story. It's the reality. It's the word of God that was left for us. He comes to steal. He comes to, to steal He comes to destroy. That's what he does. And so when we are setting a goal, when we're putting distance between ourselves and sin, when we have to make the decision about what what we're going to do with our existence, how much territory we're going to take for the kingdom, we have to know that we're going to have a little bit of struggle that comes up against us to destroy us. Try to, anyway. He's bringing up every doubt that you've ever had in yourself, every failure, every misstep that you've ever taken, because he don't play, you know. He don't just, you know, not, not go there. He goes there. He makes you feel complete wreck, like, over whatever it is that you've ever done. I mean, you could have been seven and stole bo- bubble gum. He'll bring it up in your mind when you decide you're going to, like, you know, go and do something. He'll, he'll, he'll do whatever it is he can to try to deter you. He'll remind us of the things that we never completed from last year. We had goals, we had expectations. Why is this year going to be any different? You know, why? Why would he do that? And so these are the sort of things that he does. He'll bring up our inadequacies and the things that we're all too familiar with about ourselves. And, and, and sometimes it even makes sense. It's like, you know what? He's kind of right. I kind of always do fail at relationships. I kind of always am bad with money. And before long, we start to believe what he's saying. So we have to be very careful about managing those voices that come into our heads. You know, all the reasons that we should quit even before we start. And the, and the reason the devil shows up is because he wants to shift our perspective from one of possibility to what? To one of despair. You can't do this. You'll never do it. You'll never, you're never going to accomplish this. You're never going to get out of debt. You're never going to save this marriage. That kid's never going to get off drugs. He's just a bad egg. You know, that's the kind of stuff he says about your family. He doesn't say positive things like Johnny's going to do great things for the Lord. That's not ever going to be something that you hear in the middle of the night woken up by the devil. It's just not. And I'll be honest with you, I was a little surprised when I began to look for a scripture when I was creating this message and I was talking about managing expectations versus reality. And, you know, the book that I ended up landing in um, was the book of Ezra. Any of y'all spend a lot of time in Ezra? Just, it's, it's like your, you know, your jam. Like, no, no, none of us. Uh, anybody? I mean, raise your hand if you are. it's like, I love that book. I love Ezra. No, nobody's really, I mean, I read through the Bible when I was getting my ministerial licensure and you have to read all the way through the Bible. I've read through the Bible again. So I mean, I've done, I've been through the book of Ezra, but the last time I'd probably been in Ezra was when someone else was preaching a, a message and said, let's go to, let's turn to the book of Ezra. Y'all are getting quiet. So I wasn't really thinking that's where I was going to land, but I, and I don't know how much of y'all have, you all know, have spent time there or, or, or read it, but it's not a book that I frequent much. It's not uh, one that probably you frequent that much. So I'm going to give us a little backstory. So if my me- message is a total flop and you get nothing out of the content that I share, the Word of God's always true, right? So you'll know a little bit about Ezra, and you'll go out of here happy. Y'all can smile. I make jokes sometimes. My message will not be a total flop in the name of the Lord. Uh, God's word is valuable, and it never returns void. So the book of Ezra records what happens directly following the nation of Israel's 70 years in Babylon. It's a lot of preacher talk, isn't it? Start talking about Babylon and all these years and all this stuff. It gets a little bit like, ooh, I'm going to go to sleep, PK. Babylon has fallen. Everybody say Babylon. Babylon. Babylon has fallen. Cyrus has taken over. Everybody say Cyrus. Cyrus, Cyrus was the king of Persia. Everybody say Persia. All right, y'all are doing good. Y'all are Bible scholars. You're going to go to April's. You're going to go to Hill and Holler. You're going to tell the waitress about Cyrus, Persia, Babylon. You're going to sound like you have just been to the school of theology. You're going to be great. I believe in you. And so old Persia, he sends out a decree allowing all the Jews to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. And he even gives them the materials necessary to go build this temple. The book of Ezra is written by... Who's real smart? Who wrote, who wrote the book of Ezra? Ezra. Good job. See, some of y'all know this. It's not that hard. Open your Bibles. I promise it won't bite you. Um, Ezra was the priest, and and to show the history, um, uh, the, the book of Ezra was to show the history of the rebuilding of this temple and the restoring of their faith. So we're going to turn to Ezra. If you've got your Bible, uh, turn to um Chapter 3 of Ezra, or yeah, chapter 3, verse 10. If you don't have your Bible, you can come up here and repent. At the altar, we have a big space where everybody who doesn't bring their Bible can come and repent. And I'm just joking. But bring your Bible right in it. Know it. You're in a war. If you don't know that, you're in a war. Like, you don't have a weapon. I can't give you a gun to go and fight the devil with in in the spiritual realm, but you have the word of God. Bring your word of God with you. If you have it on a Bible app, that's great, but you can't really mark up the the, the Bible app as well, and so sometimes it's nice to have a Bible that you can hold up in the air. Anybody like a weapon? Like, fling it at the devil, fling it at him. So, anyway, turn to your Bible. That was free. That was extra. That's like a bonus sermon right there. Now, when the builders had laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests stood in their apparel with trumpets, and the Levites, the sons of Asap, with their cymbals, to praise the Lord in accordance with the direction of David, king of Israel. They sang responsively, praising and giving thanks to the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his loving kindness, mercy towards Israel endures forever. And all the people shouted with a great shout when they praised the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the priests and the Levites, I'm going to stop right there. Anybody ever seen a but in a story? Like, but, uh-oh, what's happening? What's happening? Let's read, let's see, let's read what's going to happen. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of the father's households, the old men, who had seen the first house or temple, wept with a loud voice when the foundation of this house was laid before their eyes, while many shouted aloud for joy, verse 13, so that the people could not distinguish the sound of the shout of joy from the sound of the weeping of the people. For the people shouted with a loud shout, and the sound was heard far away. So we're seeing these two groups of people. They have returned home. And the book of Ezra is telling us about this because it's important for us to understand not everything they built lasted like they wanted it to in the Bible. So what does that say to us? It means that sometimes destruction occurs. So if you're living in a moment in your life where destruction has occurred, something has been stolen, destroyed, Whatever that might look like in your life, your marriage, your kids, your job, your business, your health, whatever that might look it, it happened to them too. It happened to them too. And if you catch what we're reading in there, you have a rebuilding happening after destruction, which we can kind of a little bit, you know, See the parallels with our, with our current world. Uh, you have two groups of people. And I'm not implying that it's exactly like what we have just gone through with our, you know, pandemic or whatever thing. But there are some parallels. One group, they're working with all their might on what God has spoken to them as instructions. And they are so excited for their future. They were the generations that had been born while in captivity in Babylon. A long time of being in captivity and they're free and they're so excited and they're ready to just build they're ready to to take the word of God they see this as provision from God they are ready they are so excited for the future they had never known the glory of Solomon's former temple they had never known that they had no real reference point to compare what they were building to what was This might be a case where you could say that ignorance is bliss. Thank goodness for a new generation coming up that doesn't know everything that we've all been through or whatever it might be, because sometimes you don't even need to know what you're, you, you missed out on. You know, you don't, you don't need to know that because it's the only way you could really have joy, you can have peace, you can have excitement but I'm going somewhere, I promise. They were shouting with joy that the foundation was being laid and that the prophecy was being fulfilled. They had hope. They were about their father's business, and they were pumped. Woo! Everybody give a woo. Woo! That's right. But there was another group. There's always another group. There's always at least one in the group, right? And I'm not, I'm not critiquing this other group. I want to tell you a little bit about them, though. This group was probably, if I had to guess, you know, again, I'm not a mathematician or a historian. If you, you know, if you need me to theologically always be 100% accurate, you should probably never listen to anything I say. Because I'm going to tell you what I think, but that doesn't mean I'm always accurate. And I, I have to answer for it, so you're safe, okay? But I think they were probably around the age of 65, you know. That was the, the, the general, you know, or above that. You know, they were kind of in that age group. Great group. Great group. Who's, who's 65 and above? Y'all give me a shout. Woo! It's a great group. They had been in captivity for a long time, too. But they had the experience and the memories of what Solomon's temple looked like before. They had got to sit in, in in the magnificence of it, they had seen what God had done. What had been built, they had enjoyed it. They had they had experienced it in a way that the other generation had never. So that's where they were standing there. That was their perspective, and they knew the splendor of it. And sometimes, and, and in this situation, there really was. It was it was it was a, it was a splendor. It was the Taj Mahal version of temples, and. Sometimes in our minds, as we get older, we, we kind of recreate that something was better than it was, actually, you know, and so it, we just look back on it like it's better than whatever's going on now, because we're just better, you know, our music was better. Come on, no, no nobody even got that one. Okay, y'all you all all like the current music of today, wonderful, wonderful, I don't know what they're saying sometimes, and I definitely, uh, you know, just, yeah, but anyway, I like little oldies. Um, but this group, they knew full well the splendor of what had been built. They had experienced it. What they were seeing was pitifully small in comparison to what they had known. Pitifully small. And they were dealing with the realities that while they were, in fact, back home, they were out of captivity, they were free, while they can rebuild, and God has given them the supplies, they can't help but acknowledge that they had lost so much. How many of you have ever been there where you know God is going to provide for the next season, but you have lost something significant? You, you, you're not even going to pretend like what you just went through was easy or that you want to even shout about it because you took a lot of work to build the first marriage. You, you spent a lot of time building that first business. You took a lot of time raising that kid. And now it's like you look back and it's like, you know, it's so it, it, it was so much. It was, it was splendor, and then it was stolen or killed or destroyed in your life. Or it was so beautiful, and you put so much effort into it. I think about when you build a structure kind of like this. It doesn't happen overnight. And we have modern technology where we can bring in, you know, lifts and cranes and all the all the jazz. I don't know. I'd, I'd need Greg Weichel up here. He'd be better at talking about all that kind of stuff than I am ever going to be. But... We have technology that they didn't have. They put every, every stone they carried, you know. They, they, they put a lot of effort into building that original temple that was stolen, that was killed. So while they're seeing all this happen, you know, they're seeing it being rebuilt, they have the perspective of, oh, gosh, we, we got to do it all again and... It's, this is pitiful compared to what we have, and so they didn't necessarily have the best perspective of of what the current situation was, and they weren't even trying to be—I don't think—a generation that was just you know pouting or, or just negative. You're you're just you're processing what has occurred, you're dealing with the current reality of the situation, and so they, we, they wept. They wept. Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever wept? fully aware of the reality that this is a messy situation, the reality of how much, work it will be, uh, requi- how much work will be required to return to what they once enjoyed all the time. The sounds all came together as one, and it says that you can't really distinguish one from another. It's all just noise. And I've, re- I've preached y'all to a real happy place right here, haven't I? Everybody's just staring at me like... Need the, the, need the second, like, uh, espresso thing to kick in. What's it called when you do two shots? That's what it is. You need the second shot to kick in. Everybody's just kind of sitting there. Um, and this is where I can see the tie into where we find ourselves today. In this room, we have a mix. In every church all across the nation, there's a mix. At least you hope there is. Uh, the big C church at large, there is a mix there are some in this room today that live in a world that is far from perfect, but they have found the Lord recently. You know, they have found Him. They are finally free. They are dreaming big. They have hope. The sky's the limit. There's nothing that their God cannot do. They're ready to take on hell with you know uh, just their Bible, a, a shot or a, a water gun, and you know maybe a Red Bull or something. You know, I don't know what whatever this generation's drinking right now. You know, as far as like energy drinks, but they're ready to take it on. They're excited. They don't have all of the other history in their in their minds. They're just excited. They finally know peace. They finally know freedom. They are free. They're saved. And, you know, that's that's a special season of life. How many of you all remember the first time you got saved? You really started believing the word of God. You're on fire for the Lord. You're ready to witness to everybody in, you know, the, the, the grocery store, to the mail office, wherever you're at. Um, there's a separate group, though, in every church, and we have some life under our belt. You know, I'm included in that group. I'll include myself in that. We have known the Lord. We have seen his splendor. We have also known defeat. We have blown it royally before. We realize that where we are in this season of life versus where we expected to be might not be, you know, the same. In our careers, our marriage, our health, our finances, anybody wake up again today and you were not a billionaire. (laughs) Not, just didn't, it just didn't happen again today. You know, maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow I'll be a billionaire. No, I'm just joking. I don't care about that kind of stuff. Um, But if you want to give it to me, God, (laughs) you'll get it through me. If you get it to me, you'll get it through me. I know I'll I'll be used. Um, Maybe it was our fault that we are currently in this situation, or maybe it was the result of circumstances that we had no control over. Anybody ever just been handed some circumstances and you had no control over it? The doctor tells you that diagnosis and you didn't ask for that to be a part of your Tuesday. You know, you didn't really want that to be a part of your Tuesday, but the current circumstances of our retirement maybe not—they they may not be where our ten-year plan said they would be right now. Our economy is in a in a different state than we thought. Our reality may not look like the Pinterest board. You know, you remember—I don't know if Pinterest is still popular—but you like you planned out your perfect wedding and home and living room and kitchen, all those little things. And so, most people are not putting recession and uh, you know retirements. You know, going to to. Of pot or whatever on their ten-year plan. Like I would love to go bankrupt. Yes, let's do that in seven years. You know, no one writes that down. No one wants to see the the gas prices go up. No one wants to see the cost of green beans go up. You know, that's just not what we're like planning in our dream world. We want to walk into all that God has for us. This this group of us, but we have to press through the realities of. The current situation of doubt, of fear, we have to push through those. The reality is that this fallen world is everywhere we look. And sometimes when you're just getting saved, you don't see all that stuff. You know I mean? Like you are seeing it from these these goggles that have no, you know, they're just like, what's it called when you have rose-colored glasses? You know, like, I'm going to save the whole world. You know, like they're just off to it. You know, and that's great. Like, I mean, all of us should really stay in that state, honestly. But, when when someone's coming at you every day to steal kill and destroy oftentimes we get a little bit like going to try to invite my neighbor to easter before next week you know that's, that's the goal, you know. It goes from really believing that we can make a difference to like, I'm going to try to do something, to, the, to, to, to even less than that. Some people don't have any hope at all, um, depending upon where they're at. So these two groups are in every church, and there's a little mingling in between of where they're at. Not everybody's on one end and one on the other end. There's some, kind, But most of us are in one of those two groups of people, and I know that because I'm a pastor. I see it. I travel to other churches. I see it. There are two groups trying to work together, worship together, take territory together, one looking forward with hope and joy and and the promises of God being fulfilled the other almost like waiting just like God split the heavens come and get us these people are crazy down here and you know I know you want them all saved but just come get me just come get me you know that sometimes that's how the other group of us are we're just kind of you know exhausted with with the trials of this world so some of us are trying to reconcile the past and the tormenting words of the enemy with the reality, reality that God is not finished with us yet. Because the reality is he's not finished with us yet. Even though we're in that other group, maybe, you know, he's not split the eastern sky open yet. And we're not being called home in this moment. So until then, we have to work as if we're excited to reach other people. So there's these two different groups. There's some tension there. And I probably made everybody mad because everybody's not happy. Unless you just got saved last week and you're like, yeah, I'm the good one in this story. I'm the one with faith. Um, but God wants to bless all of the people in this story. So how do we do it? You know, I'm going to try to walk you through three steps pretty quickly. I, um, I have that, uh, some, some scripture that I feel like is going to encourage us and it's going to tie all this together. Um, the first is surrendering our memories and our expectations and dreams to God. Because ultimately, whatever our expectations are, our dreams are, wherever we're currently wanting to, you know, what we're, what we're currently wanting to accomplish, we have to surrender that to God. Because if it's not a God-given dream, why are we even working at it? You know, if it's not His plan and His word, you know, like why are we even spending our time on that? Second Corinthians tells us, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmity, in reproaches in needs in persecutions in distresses for Christ's sake for when I am weak then I am strong all right we all have heard that at some point if we've been around a little bit the message reads and this is kind of a different way a different read on it now i take limitations in stride and with good cheer anybody love it when they get you know a flat tire like oh this is the best part of my day Good cheer, he says. Good cheer. Let's work on that. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks, I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. Now, listen, we got some work to do in that scripture. There's That right there, if you didn't work on anything else between now and when Jesus comes back, that would probably keep us busy. Online audience, they're not, they're, not, they're, not in, they're not on board with me here, but I need you all to be online with me. Like you're, you, I know you're in your recliner saying, yes, PK, that's the word we're going to accomplish. I'm going to celebrate abuse, you know, by my coworkers. I'm going to celebrate, you know, whatever opposition that comes towards me because it's a chance for Christ to just, you know, be glorified. Uh, most of us are not living like that. We go home and we complain about that coworker, you know. We go home and we talk about the bad breaks and the accidents and why this happened, why did that happen? If I'm being honest, most of us never write, would never write, a single chapter of our story to contain any trouble. None of us are writing in an abusive husband in. Are you? Anybody writing that in your story? Like, "Come on, God give me that. No, we're not. A narcissistic coworker, breast cancer, bankruptcy, none of us. It's not happening. You know, the worst we're going to maybe write into a story if we're writing it about ourselves is we're going to cut ourselves some bad bangs that we got to, like, grow out, you know, for a couple months and regret, you know. That's, that's the most regret we really want to live with in life. That's the most terrible thing that we want to happen in 2023 if we're being honest because we've been through a lot. We're like, no, I'm not, I'm not writing that into my story. A bad chapter... Is a, is a minimal thing if we're writing the story. And so we don't always celebrate when those things are a part of our story. Our most passionate knowledge of God and who he truly is, though, is most often revealed to us in the parts of our stories where there's some turmoil, where we're helpless, where we're, we couldn't do it without him. And I'll be honest, if we didn't have some of those things in our lives, we would never stop and really acknowledge who he is versus who we are and how little we are and how big he is. Would we know God as healer? Would we really know him if that diagnosis had never came? Would we know him as deliverer like really know him if we have never been entangled or held captive by a sin or by a spirit or by a person? We wouldn't know what it's like to be free. We really wouldn't know. Would we know him as provider if we had never known want? So sometimes the things that we seem we think are the, the worst things that can happen to us are actually the things that cause us to lean into him the most. They, they draw us closer to him. You see, the areas you can minister the most out of authentically are the parts of the story that you would have left out of the book altogether. I know, I'm just making you all so happy, aren't I? We're going to turn over to Isaiah 26, verse 3. And in this when we're going to accept the reality as the foundation you are now building from. What these group of people, this other group had to do is they had to accept the fact, the reality, that the foundation that they were now building from wasn't exactly what they wanted. But the, the truth isn't changing. It is what it is. And Isaiah 26 and 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Our perspective is imperative to our reality. Can we pause for just a second uh, to see how limited our vision actually is? You know, I don't know. I have to actually wear contact. So my vision is extremely limited unless we're like right here. Um, I can read a book. That's what happened. I read a ton of books as a child. I read a book every hour that I was awake, and I damaged my eyes. And so since about the age of about eight, I can only see things about right here. And so now I have to have glasses to be able to see far away. But my perspective is limited. Um, that's why in any given circumstances you can find some weeping or you can find some enjoy joy because it depends upon the perspective that you can see in. I want to tell you all a little story uh, on, <laughs> on Monday First and foremost, I had, um, well, I'll just tell you this. Okay, we went down, uh, Everly was on spring break this week. We went down, we were going to get our nails done, and we were going to... um look for her cleats for softball in Beckley. So we went to the big city of Beckley, you know. So we decided we were going to go into the mall. We were going to get us a piece of cookie cake. Anybody ever love the cookie company, the Great American Cookie? Y'all, okay, none of y'all like that. What's wonderful? I don't know. I guess I keep them in business because we really like it at our house. And so we sat down on the bench, and we're like, she's hamming it up. She's eating the ice thing. She's giggling. I'm shooting pictures to Chad of her giggling. The boys and him were out for dinner. And so I got distracted by her because she was getting ready to take me to Claire's. If you've never taken a seven-year-old girl to Claire's, you've got to prepare yourself. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's why I need the billionaire money to come in because, you know, it's like, whoo. we have to talk about budget before we go in there. We have to just really talk. Anyway, I got distracted. At some point, laid my phone down. Wasn't really sure that I'd even laid it on that bench, but I thought I had. Went into Claire's. We started, you know, spending all of Chad's money. All of it. Every bit of it just joking. She didn't even buy anything in that, that first stop that we were in there because she just wanted to go check other stuff out too, just to make sure that's where she wanted to spend all Chad's money. Um, so we uh, go from there to um, to Dick's. At Dick's, I realized I don't have my phone. And so I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm going to have to go figure out where this is at. So I'm thinking it might be in Claire's or it might be at that bench. I'm not 100% sure. And I'm just thinking, you know, I'm pretty peaceful at this point. I'm like, you know, God's got me. It's there. I'm just an old person. Nobody's picking up my old ratty phone, you know. That's not what happened, though. So I'm kind of like, so I go to the bench, it's not there. Go to Claire's, it's not there. The girl in Claire's doesn't really want to talk to me, so I'm not sure if maybe she took it. You know, like, you you start doubting everybody. You start questioning everybody. So I'm starting to get a little frustrated. I'm like, hmm, yeah. I'm like, anybody turned in, she's, yeah, she she's not talking and she got a mask on. She's not looking at me. I'm like, "Okay, this is all suspicious. I don't know. You know, like you, everybody's a suspect at this point in my world. I've become Magnum PI and I'm in search of my phone." So, anyway, we leave there and says we go to, towards there. We go back to Dicks. We go into the dressing room where she had tried on some baseball pants. She crawls under the door cuz of course it's locked. You can't just find anybody to work, you know. So she crawls under. We break into the locker or the little changing room. We're committing sins at this point, you know, felonies ourselves and so uh, Y'all laugh. And so she comes out, and at this point I'm starting to get a little bit stressed because I don't have another way to contact Chad to even say my phone's lost. She's seven. She doesn't have a phone. I don't have an Apple Watch. Like, there's no pay phones in the world anymore. So this is, like, frustrating. So I go back through, and I'm starting to get she's like, you know, well, let's just, you know, go look at dresses. You know, like she wanted to go to JCPenney's because they had this Disney section. She wanted to go look at the dresses, decide if she wanted that stuff or Claire's. She's, she's over me searching for this phone at this point. So then I began to explain to her why I need to find the phone. I'm like, guys, I mean, it has all of our pictures on it, you know, from when you were a baby. I'm trying to think of things that she would relate to. I've got to find the phone. I say, it's got all my work on it because I create all these graphics and I need it. So then the picture thing, like, got her. Like, she was, she, tears started. She started crying. She's just, you know, she's like, she's just upset at this point. Like, she it's starting to, like, kick in. I just like, I didn't know I was going to send her, you know, over the edge that quick, but I did. Um, so now I have a child that's crying through the mall, wanting to talk to the security guard, very mad at everybody. She gets mad at God at this point. <laughs> we went all the way there because this is what she said to me. She goes, she goes, I don't know why this is happening. You had a black eye and now this is happening. They stole our phone. Why didn't they steal somebody else's phone? Why did God let this happen? And so... This is where we're at. So now, instead of me being able to be upset and frustrated and stressed, I have to calm down the seven-year-old who's having a nervous breakdown. And what she was talking about is the week before we were in Tampa. I bent down in the hotel room and near the TV, and I didn't realize there was an edge. I caught my face on it, <laughs> gave myself a nice black eye, you know, real real good. That's why I wasn't here last Sunday because, you know, I had a black eye. And, you know, I, it's a small town, and this is what I've learned. If I come up in here and and I have a black eye, you know what they're saying at every restaurant later? Oh, I bet he hit her real good. Yeah, that's what happens in small towns. So I'm like saving my husband the scandal, you know, of us. Like now we're like in, you know, domestic violence court and everybody, oh, yeah, they're losing the house. They're losing the kids. He's going to jail. It goes back down south real quick. You want to know what really happened is I hit my face on a table, and when we went around our friends, this was what was so funny is I went in the next day because I, I did go to church around. Then we were at a church conference. I couldn't just like, like skip out. Plus I knew what they would say, and so I get there, and like my face is black. I mean, I'm trying to cover it up, but it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's a good, good, good black eye. And, and they're all like, you know, and like, what happened? Because none of them assumed that Chad would be alive if he had hit me, in fact, in the face. None of them. And I'm like, yeah, I said that. And they're like, Yo, well, we know it's not Chad. I'm like, what'd you hit? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. But around here it would have been, it was Chad. And like down there they're like, we would have had to raise him from the dead if he hit you. I'm like, Yeah. They know me pretty well. That's I don't know what that says about me, but that's the way that they explained it to me back, and so that's why. So Everly is like freaking out. She's hating everybody now because I have gone. We've gone through this turmoil. She just wants to shop for princess dresses, and she doesn't understand why all this has happened. So I had to begin to like calm her down because her perspective and my perspective were not the same. You know, in this situation, she had gone. You know, all the way to the bully grubs and sad and all that kind of stuff. I had to talk her off the ledge and and bring her back. But it perspective matters, and uh, I don't even know I, that story got bigger than I thought I was going to tell you all. But now y'all know all about it. So if anybody tells you, you know anything. Rumors are funny in small towns. They really are. I don't know how else to say that to you. Somebody would have shared that as like that's what was going on. I wish that wasn't the reality, but that, uh, I've lived here long enough to know, lived life long enough. I've always lived in a small town, so it's not like I was, that was not a criticizing comment about this town, so don't take that about this town, people. I was not meaning that about just this county. I grew up in a county that it would have been the same rumor, and I'm just so, ooh, I've dug myself a hole now. All right, let's go back to the biblical prophecies and what we were talking about before. Much like the Jews, though, no matter our perspective, we must start building. In order to do so, our perspective or our expectations can't be based upon our feelings. You have to walk it out. You can't base it on your feelings. This is the reality of where we're at. It doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't matter what you're feeling this morning. It doesn't matter what you're feeling this morning. Can you say, my feelings don't matter? The word of God matters. All right, we're back to biblical things. It must be shaped, our expectations, our perspective, our decisions must be shaped around what his word declares. We must keep our feelings in check. because Our our feelings change, guys. They change every day. They change, if you're seven, every couple minutes they change. Um, And they lie to us. Our feelings lie to us. The reality is that as children of the most high God, who's a child of the most high God? Wave at me. We have all the promises of God's word to stand upon. We can build in perfect peace if our mind is stayed upon him. And that's what Isaiah tells us. And last, uh, we have to walk in obedience through the tension of what is versus what could be. James chapter 1, verse 22, they're going to throw it up here on the wall. I matched the wall. Y'all know that I did that on purpose. Yes, I got pink. It's pink. I know. I couldn't change my outfit this morning. I kind of thought I might, and I was like, "You can't. You match the wall. You made a wall to match your outfit, and so now you got to walk it out. Um, walk in obedience through the tension of what is versus what could be. James tells us, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. And Deuteronomy 30, verse 14, I think that's our last scripture, but the word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. And as I wrap up this message, as I'm telling you these three things that we need to do, I'm gonna go back through them in case you missed them. Um, Surrendering our memories and our expectations and dreams to God, accepting the reality as the foundation you are now building from, and then walking in obedience through the tension of what is versus what could be. Those are the three steps in order to overcome the current situation that you're facing. And I don't know what you're facing, I do not know what you're facing. I don't know what your life looks like. People hide their situations a lot. They give a little bit of the details. They usually don't tell us everything until it's well after it. You would be surprised the number of people who can look us dead in the eye. I'm going to look at Chad so nobody thinks I'm talking about him. How many people can look us dead in the eye and lie to us? You all would be so surprised, so surprised. Like we'll ask questions, they'll look right at us, they will lie and tell us the exact opposite of what's going on in their life. The exact opposite. So sometimes we don't know what you're going through. People aren't always honest about what they're going through. I don't know what your current reality looks like versus the expectation that you had for it. Usually people will tell us what they want, what the expectation is, but they often don't tell us the reality of what's going on. Maybe they're being honest with God. I doubt it. If you can't be honest with a person, you're probably not being honest with God either, but maybe, I don't know but we have to be honest about where we are we have to have that moment where we 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 understand the tension of what is what versus what could be and we have to to decide to do the word of god we have to decide that he has set them free he's given them the supplies and whether you want to build or not it's time to build it's time to do the word of god but what I found when I was studying this out in Ezra, and this was a really cool moment for me, I'm going to let you guys do it as well. It kind of is how I got the name for the message. In wrapping this up, transport yourself there for just a minute. Imagine, if you will, I'm going to try to speak culture talk, that this story was the newest Netflix sensation. This was like, what's that, what's that horse show that everybody likes or whatever? Huh? Heartland or Virgin River or whatever it is, I'm going to try not to pick anything that's too sinful that y'all are watching because I know people watch junk on Netflix. It's just it's a mess. Turn it off, you know. But but for a moment, pretend that this story, this this Ezra story, is the reality of what you're watching on there. You're watching it on there. You're watching Ezra. You're watching these two groups. You're watching Cyrus. You know, y'all remember Persia, Babylon, all the stuff we talked about. You're, you're there. You're transporting yourself there for just a minute. There's something that's significant that we have the ability to do that no one standing there watching it all play out could have done. Because we're reading it back. We, we, we have a perspective of after the fact. And you know what you can do when you're watching a show? Somebody screams from the other room or you, 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 you want to do this, you can hit the mute button. So the scene's still playing out, but you can't hear it so you can't hear anything. That would give us a really neat perspective on this story that's happening in Ezra. It would eliminate what? All the noise. If there's no shouting, if there's no weeping, what would the focus on the screen be? The focus is that the foundation has been built. Foundation has been built. It isn't impacted by the tears. It's not impacted by the shouts. And it's much the same for you today. Whether you came in here with a perspective of joy about your current situation, or whether you came in with tears about your current situation, whether there's squeals of joy, whether there's weeping, it's muted. So I don't know if you walked in here in one way or the other today, in expectation or in sorrow but I know that the foundation, I know that the word of God states that you have a hope and a future and that foundation is there for you to build on in spite of either, in spite of either. The sky is the limit, there's nothing our God can't do. He's still inviting us to join in the building that's going to occur. He hasn't split the Eastern sky open. So whether you just got saved last week and you just joined the team, or you've been on the team for 40 years and you're a little tired and this world is a little weary to you and you're a little exhausted with all of it. He's invited you to join in the building. He's invited you to be a part of the kingdom. He's still inviting us, his bride, his church to be a part of all this. And if you turn down the weeping and you turn down the joy or the, the, the squeals or whatever joy looks like to you or sounds like to you, and you just watch, you can see on that screen that they, in your mind, that they're building. They started. Sometimes just starting again is the hardest thing you can do. Because what you've been handed, the circumstances you may not have chosen, you may have. You may have been the one that wrecked the whole marriage, you know, but, but you got to build again. You, got a, you might have been the one that decided to use again, you know, and you had, you had quit. You'd gone 90 days. You'd gone 120. You gone two years, you know, and you decided to use again. But you know what? You can build again. You can build again. You may be crying or you may be shouting joyfully. Either way, you can build again. He has laid the foundation. He has invited us to be a part of the building, and your life isn't over I had someone that I was praying with at the conference this last weekend. And I, I, she, she, I was trying to you know, just see what she needed. And, and, and the thing that came out of her mouth was, I just don't want God to give up on me. And I don't know if that's you this morning. I don't know if you feel like maybe he, he, he may have just given up, hope that you're ever going to get on board and do what he's called you to do. You know, if you're ever going to stop doing all that sin that you know you need to quit or, you know, you're finally going to walk into the anointing. Sometimes we can stop sinning, but we haven't fully walked into the anointing of what we're called to do. And that's still disobedience, you know. And I think that's where she was at. She just like, I know he's told me to do something. And I hope he doesn't give up on me. I hope he gives me more time to do that. And I had to, I had to, I had to whisper in her ear as I was praying for her, you breathed a minute ago. You woke up this morning. He is the God of all creation. He's the master of the universe. If he didn't want you, if he had given up on you, you wouldn't be breathing. He wouldn't have woke you up this morning. So if you woke up this morning, if you breathed in the last 60 seconds, he's not giving up on you, and you don't need to give up on whatever it is he has placed upon you in your heart to do. Don't give up on that marriage. Don't give up on that child. Don't give up on that dream. Don't give up on that calling. I know there are other people that can go and do street ministry. There are other people that can go and and change a diaper. There are other people that can go do that. You know that too. But that doesn't mean it gives you an out when he's told you to go do something. He's laid the foundation. It is time for you to go be a part of the building with him. You don't have to preach up here or play an instrument. But if he's called you to preach up here and he's called you to play an instrument, then get up. You know what? Sometimes we don't have anybody to play the keys up here if my 15-year-old doesn't feel like playing the keys. And he wants to go and learn the backstage sound or he wants to play a guitar or whatever. You know what? We shouldn't put the expectation for the keys to be played on a 15-year-old. That's free. Somebody pick up a book and learn how to play. God's given us fingers. He's given us hands. He's given us wisdom. You may not know that sometimes there's nobody back there to check a kid in, or there is. I don't know the current situation of our dream team. This is not about that. But I know in this current situation, the church needs to be about building. We got to stop or no I don't even say you don't even have to stop crying if you don't want to go do it while you're weeping go do it while you're filled with joy just go do it go build the kingdom We have Easter Sunday next week we should be the most excited group of people that exist Our resurrection resurrected king is going to be celebrated next Sunday we should not be sad not be apathetic. We should not be lazy. We should be about our father's business. We should be going over and taking a pie to the neighbors. We should be stopping people at the gas station and say, hey man, here's 10 bucks. I'd love for you to come to church next week. If you'll use this gas money, I know you can get there. I'll save you a seat. Be about the father's business. Be about kingdom building. He is building a foundation. He's building a church. If you want to be a part of it, just join in. It doesn't have to be about Bethesda. That's not even what I'm talking about. I'm saying join in in whatever way he's told you to join in. Don't be apathetic. Don't give up. Don't give up on the ones that's still lost. There's still building to be done. And as we wrap up, as the worship team joins us up here, I want us on this Palm Sunday we had an entire group of people up here on the stage, you know, little people this morning. Aren't they beautiful? Don't we love our kids? Don't we want a church for them in 15 years? Don't we want a church for them in 20 years? We can't get apathetic. We can't get lazy. We have to know the assignment and fulfill it. The last couple years have exhausted a lot of us. I'll let you know I've been exhausted at moments with people, with situations, with circumstances, with, with government. Like I, I, I promise you, I have probably felt a lot of what you felt. Even this very week, what we had to watch play out at a school. I had to sit there and at social media, like I didn't post anything this week. I didn't post anything this week because I had to call my husband. I had to say, number one, my phone was missing on Monday. So I didn't even find out about it till Tuesday when I finally got my phone back and looked at it because I don't, I don't watch TV. I don't, it's not that I don't know what the news is going on. Please don't think I'm ignorant. But I just didn't know that was going on. And I had to say, you know, do I post and tell this crazy world that all of our babies are going to be on a stage that they can get to this weekend. Do I do I post that? I've been through social media training on what we're supposed to post and what we're not supposed to, to post. And when there's a tragedy, you're supposed to shut down all your posting for that day and be sensitive to whatever it is. Learned that a decade ago. And honestly, there's a tragedy every day. So I have to like kind of like manage that in some regard. But it just it got to me. And I couldn't even post anything this week. I couldn't post anything because I'm like, what do we even say? What do we do? This world is crazy. This world is nuts. But you know what? The only thing we have to offer them is the only thing that needs to be offered. It's Jesus. It's the resurrected King. If there's ever been a season when we should go and we should share the gospel in such a heightened way with love and compassion, when we should be ready to help somebody get deliverance so that they don't go in and blow up a building, they don't go in and do some crazy thing because, you know, we got to know that mentality doesn't come from heaven. So where does it come from? The opposite team. The team of darkness. I wrecked my face. I shouldn't wreck my face when I got to speak again. As we are wrapping up, and I know it's 1024, and I don't care at all. If that's if that's a problem for you, I don't care at all. I, I, I'm telling you what time it is because it's telling me. But I want us to take a moment as the worship team comes and in this last song. And I want us to be the church. I want us to be in communication with our Father. We're going to do a prayer here in just a moment to make sure that anybody that wants to join the team can join the team. But if you're already on the team, put your jersey on. And I want you to come to the altar. I want you to be ready to ask God, how can I build this week? What do you have for me? In what way do I need to build this week to help you grow the kingdom? Because he's inviting us to be a part of it. He's building. Maybe a part of your life got destroyed. Maybe it's like the temple and you're just starting over and you just need to rebuild in that area. I don't know. Maybe... You're one of the ones here today and you're like, my life is a total wreck because I don't know the King of Kings. I need His peace, Karen. I need to know Him as Savior. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're watching online and you don't know Him. I know there are people watching online. Hundreds of you are watching online. I want you here. I know sometimes we have to watch online, but I want you to know I want you here because I know how the enemy is trying to sift and destroy each of us, and the more isolated we are, the harder it is for him to, the easier it is for him to get to us, the harder it is for him to get to you. If you get a part of community, you get a part of the body. Don't watch from home if you can be here. Don't watch online if you can be here. You need the house of God. If everybody would bow their head, I'm not Chad. I'm not going to do this exactly like him. He's much better. He'll be back next week. Don't worry. If you're here this morning and you have been through a season where it's destruction, it doesn't look like it, your walk with Christ does not look like what you expected it to look like. I want you to throw your hand up at me right now. I want to be able to see throw your hand up. It doesn't look like what you thought it would look like. Okay, hands going up everywhere. Guys, I, I if you're if you're supposed to count this, that's your job. You can look at it, you can count it so that we can get people's books in their hands and stuff like that. I don't know. There's hands everywhere, guys. Sometimes the expectation that we have for where we're going to be with Christ in April of 2023 when we started this year it looked different we didn't realize we were going to get entangled with some of the junk that we got entangled with we didn't realize we were going to go through that and it was going to distract us it was going to keep us out of the word of god it was going to keep us away from him but this morning you have the opportunity to get right with him and begin building again you have that opportunity so we're all going to pray the prayer of salvation and this prayer is not a magic magic sentence that gets you into heaven, a ticket, it invites you back into relationship with God so that you can build again in your relationship with Him. It provides you to be ready, but if you want to stay ready, you got to keep talking to Him. I'm going to be honest with you. Like we, This is not a one-and-done kind of thing. This is not pray-the-guild-off kind of thing. This is a, I'm going to get right with Him because He's the greatest thing, the only thing that's going to fix this situation in my life. He's the only thing that's going to make, make my life better. He's the only thing that's going to help me navigate this crazy world. So we're going to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Every voice, come on. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you today. We ask that you wash us with your blood. Cleanse us of every impurity, of every sin, and bring us back into relationship with you. Lord, help us to be part of the building of your kingdom. Help us to believe in the vision again. Give us strength and wisdom on how to be in relationship with you. Meet with us this week. Draw us close this week on how we can help you build. We ask it in the name of Jesus and amen and amen as the worship team comes forward. I want us to come forward in the altar. I'm not joking. I want us to do this. It may be uncomfortable for you. You may not have came up here in like months, years. I don't care. I don't care. I love you enough to know we are not okay when we're not building. We have to turn the noise down. We have to begin to build again and I believe he has an assignment for each of us and I believe we're gonna reach this region And we're not the only church. I'm not that person. We're not the only person reaching this region. There's churches all around reaching this region, but we still have an assignment. We still have an assignment. If you're ready to join in the building again, can we give him praise? Turn down the noise this week, guys.